Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behavior, sleep and more. Have you ever wondered whether your child is making friends? Or maybe you've worried that they're too shy, a bit rude or bossy. Liesl Murphy is an early learning educator at Gumnut Gardens in Sydney. She was also, until very recently, my son's teacher. Liesl is here to talk to us about how the under fives socialise. Hi, Liesl. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Good, thank you. Do many of the kids in your care, that is the three to five age bracket, actually make friendships at that age? Um, so with the, with the younger cohort, even to the five-year-olds, um, they're quite egocentric still. So making a friend is a developmental goal, really, um, and it has to be modelled and scaffolded, and it's not always natural. Some kids are very social beings, um, as the adults are, you know, it's, it's their innate personality. Others... We help along the way. We help show them. Um, we might point out, we might be sitting, say, at an activity table of Play-Doh or painting and just having a chat with a child and then recalling things that they might like that you know the child sitting next to them likes. You go, oh, do you know that, that you know, so-and-so, oh, they really love painting or drawing or... PJ masks or whatever <laughs> yeah. whatever it is yeah. that you've obviously built relationships with each child so you, you know them individually and so you you get to know who might be a good fit for another child and you scaffold their friendship because children when you look at them sometimes they just I, I just admire how easily they seem to get along with each other like they could be just going out and they meet someone I mean that might just be my kids but generally they seem a lot less um inhibited yeah than 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 adults well they don't have the they I think they don't have the social um construct or social anxiety that some adults can have but I think that's the guileless nature of being a child it's not just in a in a in a friendship or socialising manner. It's how they are. It's just little kids. beings. <laughs> oh, I love that. Some children, though, at that age, you're, you're scaffolding. But, you know, when they're quite small, they we say they play independently. I mean, do yep. you still see that kind of behaviour into this age group, the three you to do. five? You do. You do. You see the children who um, haven't quite figured out the constructs of how, what being a friend is, like taking turns, finding, like I said, common interests, playing the same thing at the same time together <laughs> um, and you you see them they either will gravitate close to a group of people playing or an individual playing some might be more sensory or they might make sounds of say if boys are playing with or not just boys good girls playing with trucks or something, they might start making the sound of an excavator or to be, like, if they don't know what to say. Other kids we've found recently actually might use toys, like they might bring things in. If they've seen one child bringing cars in, they might go, oh, I've got to bring a car in. That might mean that they will want to play with me. Um, And that can be a way of 
connecting. Connecting. <laughs> yeah, I've seen Arlo do that so many times. Some small children can be quite bossy, but no one wants to label a child as bossy, even though sometimes, particularly if they're your own child, in your head mm. that is what's going around. How do you manage that kind of behaviour? Um, I think, I think again, that sort of behaviour can sometimes be learned. <laughs> it might be watching how um, either parents or close family friends interact. There could possibly be an only child, might not have had a lot of child-to-child interactions. They might not be a bossy, maybe authoritative in their Change play. Change that word. We sort of call it a play leader, and so they might always want to lead the play. Um, so, again, going back to relationships, we we know different individual children and would know their strengths and what they like and maybe say, oh, what about, you know, coordinating a game or how about we play the game that you played yesterday? You could make the rules and be a leader. And, and then the uh, leading <laughs> child learns how to be um, a cooperator or a negotiator, so you switch, you switch, switch roles. You can. Yeah, you you help the children discover that there's all roles in play. It doesn't mean that they're of any less value, um, and that there's time to lead and time to follow. Sometimes, mm, gosh, you've got a hard job. All right, <laughs> let's go on to one that I know parents struggle with, and that is if a child is hitting or biting. Right. So, uh, I mean, do you even see that much? I don't, to be honest, I don't see it. And that's, uh, this, I hope this doesn't come across in a vain, not vain way, but um, I believe that's from Bush Kindy. And also, the way we teach is that we have strong relationships with the children. There's a quote that I read actually last week, and it says, Beneath every behavior, there is a feeling. And beneath each feeling is a need. And when we meet that need rather than focus on the behaviour, we begin to deal with the cause, not the symptom. And I think that sums up how I would deal with that if I, if and when I have seen it in the past. So a child might be going through um, things at home. They might be struggling with trauma that you... Um, other children or other teachers, other adults don't necessarily know about. And um, the most important thing is not to label over a behaviour, but get to the cause of it. And I guess if I've seen it um, with younger children in our playground or in our outdoor yard, we would um, go back and hit them at that egocentric side, like really put on like a ghast face and really over the top, you know, oh, oh my gosh, that that's hurt my heart or that's, or look at their face. And um, sometimes you might bring literature in or puppets or things that you can reiterate about what is, I guess, socially acceptable behavior or empathetic, kind behaviour, and that's what I would stress over anything. And this question, I think, may come from being a parent of two children, perhaps, uh, who 
two children who do fight a lot and sometimes maybe it's their age, I'm not sure, but children can fight about things that seem so nonsensical to us and trying to be the adjudicator in an argument you don't even understand, like... I I found the bottle top first, and you haven't seen who found the bottle top first, but they're just bickering. Um, How would you manage that kind of clash, I guess? Um, I guess we don't have in that sibling. (laughs) I've got two siblings, and I was the eldest, so I think... I, yeah, it's a very different thing, sibling fighting, as to what I guess I would see. Although we have siblings as well in our <laughs> class. So that can be a bit tricky. I guess if it's a fighting over um, a resource or something, we always make sure that we have enough in the room so there's nothing that only one child can play with or say if it's like a microscope and it's only a small group, then we might go, oh, you know, to the kids who can write, how about you write, you know, can you be in charge of who's going to be next or look at it from a strengths-based perspective and not that deficit and I guess re, re-gear their thinking um, and again, coming back to how would you like to be spoken to? Is there anything you observe about children's friendships that you think non-educators might miss? Um, I think it's just being aware, like, especially if your child is a child who might um, not be a social being, to pick up on their little nuances and cues um, either if they're playing around a child or asking, oh, can I can I buy that or can I wear that? It might be um, that they're wanting to fit in and that's their way of navigating a friendship, of how, how to be involved in a friendship. I guess that would be... That's so interesting. I would never have thought of that, that that's what... That's, yeah, and sometimes in your head you're thinking, oh, the educators don't want you to bring something else in but it actually could be a bridge for them it, it can be and you know and it it depends I guess um it, it depends as educators like if we were seeing that it was causing arguments um then we might create rules so say we've had a few issues with cars at the end of last year we saw how it was evolving it was a child who was going through some traumatic experiences and then other children were seeing him, so I think, I want to bring one in too. And then it was this, you know, if you don't have a car, you're not in this group. So then we had to navigate, oh, okay. So then I had a stash of cars, so no one would be excluded, but we would have, like, rules about when you could, oh, can you design a track? Can you design a track where there's height, and then you, you know, and then you're? It's more about construction and building, and then you're hearing the conversations over that rather than the, I've got a car today. Did you bring your car today? Or you know, it's finding a, a different common ground. You are the ultimate extender. <laughs> I wish I had your brain. Like you're the extender of an experience that could just go round in circles if you don't divert it. Mm. Yeah, that's what you do all the time, every day. I love it. Liesl, thank you so much for coming in. Oh, pleasure. That's Liesl Murphy. She's an early learning educator at Gumnut Gardens in Sydney. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, 
email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.